So welcome back to another episode of the Fat for Weight Loss Show. Today, I am speaking with Jonathan, and we will get to it right after this. You guys know I make a lot of meal plans, and the question I always get from people is what about snacking? Am I allowed to snack, and will snacking hurt my weight loss goals? For ages, I would recommend limiting snacks, sticking to freshly cooked meals at home only. But I realize that's not always possible or realistic for those of you who live busy lives, and there's nothing worse than getting stuck on the go without a healthy keto option. So that's when I reached out to the guys at Keto Farms, who make gourmet trail mixes that contain the best possible ingredients out there. Their mixes are made from super healthy ingredients like sprouted nuts, crunchy cheese, and low-sugar keto-friendly fruits. Guys, you've got to try this. It's like a crunchy cheese board in a bag. So many people miss that snack food crunch or the sweet fruits that they used to have. Well, the Keto Snack Mix satisfies all of those cravings and it's clean and 100% guilt-free. So if you've got a busy schedule or a trip coming up or you just need a go-to for the afternoons at the office, check out the Keto Farms Snack Mix. They've got mouth-watering flavor combinations like sweet strawberry gouda, tangy raspberry gouda, and spicy tomato pepper jack. So no matter what you're craving, they've got you covered. And for listeners of the Fat for Weight Loss show, you will save 20% on any Keto Snack Mix order from ketofarms.com with code fat for weight loss. That is fat for weight loss. And yes, I ask, they do ship to Australia, so that's so awesome. Check out Keto Farms Keto Snack Mix and use code fat for weight loss for 20% off. An important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. So, Jonathan, welcome to the Fat Boy Loss Show. I'm super excited to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, my man. How are you? Yeah, yeah, really, really good, really good. Um, and and so, what I what I like to do on the podcast is now we we didn't talk about this prior to the podcast. I realized, but that's <laughs> totally fine. Um, now, I usually like to start with you know maybe uh, something that people don't know about you. So maybe something that people uh, might know about you if they follow you, but some of my audience may not know you. So can you tell us a little bit about you and maybe something that people may not know about you? Hmm. Oh. Okay. So. My name's Jonathan. Um, I am a DSK one-on-one nutrition coach. Um, I've been ketogenic for two years. 
I... Hmm, something that no one knows about me. Uh, it's so hard. I put everything out there. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I would have to say... Hmm. That's hard, man. I don't know. Um, it is a hard question. It is it's... a very hard question. <laughs> I have, oh, ooh, I know. I have a stupid obsession with um with slime. You know, like that slime that like you can like play with and like. Oh ooh. yeah. I have like yeah, a huge yeah. obsession with that. No one knows about. Oh okay, it's a, a, a sort of a secret slime obsession. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't keep it in the house because if I do, like I'll just off, like I'll just like subconsciously open the lid and just start stretching it. So like I keep it out of the house because like, I just play with it. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome! <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I used to be the same as Plato with Plato as a kid, um, but you know, I guess slime never really leaves you. So that's <laughs> it, it. Does it? It gets it everywhere. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you, you mentioned a little bit uh, just before that you're one on one coach with um, with uh, DSK. So can you tell us more about you? Something uh, you know uh more about your sort of journey so like why why did you start the ketogenic diet and um what was where have you come from and where you are now oof man that is a rabbit hole so i'll give you a quick summary and then we can like dive into whatever part intrigues you more um so basically i grew up um struggled with like emotional eating habits at 14 i was 260 pounds uh Went to the doctor, found out I was extremely unhealthy. So I, I did, vowed that day to start losing weight. Lost all the weight um, in the process, though, due to like uh, the bullying and stuff that I went through when I was younger. Um, when I lost the weight, I registered like my better life with not being overweight, and so I started um, developing a fat phobia and being very self-conscious of like gaining weight and gaining body fat, and so that ended up converting into bulimia. So I struggled with bulimia for a long time. Um, I always say, once you struggle with it, it never really goes away. It just, the voice gets really quiet if you do the things right. But, so, battle with that. Um, Yo-yo dieted a lot. So, and then going into when I was about 20, I got married. Uh, her family was really into fitness, so I got back into fitness pretty heavily. Uh, got a job as a trainer and then left that. And then found the ketogenic diet about two years ago, uh, just trying to lean out, but I never left. Like, I, I think I ate carbs twice after I started doing keto, once like three months after I started, and then once the Christmas of 2017, I had, I had cookies, and they just made me feel terrible, and I was like, this is dumb, carbs suck, and <laughs> I never went back. And then I ended up meeting Robert Sykes, Keto Savage. Uh, we talked a lot via email, and I decided to do a bodybuilding competition. So I prepped for that, and then the August of 2018, I competed, um, placed third in novice, and then that had just fueled a fire in me to help share the word of keto, and then like just help people lose weight, and, and brought that passion of fitness back in my life. And talked to Robert, and he offered me the job as a coach, and uh, the rest is history. Oh, that's awesome, and um, and so yeah, there's there's a there's a big story in that, um, and I feel that there there I have spoken to a lot of people on the podcast who have also struggled uh, with bulimia, and uh, they find that the ketogenic diet does help. What what do you think that um, 
you know, what are the aspects of a ketogenic diet? Do you think that, uh, you know, quieten that voice? Because I've read the book um, uh, Brain Over Binge. I'm not sure whether you've read that book at all, but it, that was recommended to me by um, Meg, who was uh, on one of my previous episodes of the podcast, uh, and just the ideology that goes uh, in into that. But, but even... Um, uh, fat fueled at 50 she's on instagram as well she suffered from uh, bulimia and she found that the ketogenic diet has helped um has helped her like what what do you think about that this this particular diet because most people out there will think that the ketogenic diet is really restrictive um but in actual fact you know that it's very different um can you sort of speak to that a little bit yeah for sure so i think it's twofold i think the first one is very much um biological so I think that carbs and sugar are a drug, especially when they're done in excess and um, just the standard American diet and the standard world diet really is just very carb-laden and sugar-laden and that is just a legal drug for lack of a better term. And I think that that helps fuel the binge part of the cycle of bulimia. Uh, And I think that when you go ketogenic, I know for a fact that it helps stabilize and regulate blood sugar. So it makes those cravings a lot less. And so the actual act of binging that triggers the throwing up doesn't happen as often because you have better control over your eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Um, really interesting. Yeah. And so biologically, I think it helps with that. But psychologically, I think that the community that surrounds keto is so powerful so moving so supportive of one another that it's unlike any other diet community in the world it's the only community i know that you can just choose to change your eating habits and then you can completely change the course of your life and your relationship with food by a simple food decision this is the only community that i think you can do that in yeah, that, I would totally agree, and I think a lot of that community exists uh, online and in person. So you recently came back from KetoCon, and and I've been following your journey, uh, coaching eighty keto, who I've had on the podcast. I think it was episode two, <laughs> um, and and he he's had a, an amazing transformation in there. What was your experience with with going to KetoCon and seeing those people that you've either helped or um, you know that you've shared your journey with? It was crazy. To be frank, I don't even think I fully have digested exactly how I felt from it. It was so moving, like, because so often, especially as an influencer, and I'm not like a big influencer comparatively to other people. Like, I have 8,000 followers at the moment, which is a lot more than I had when I started. I had 400, you know, less than a year ago. But even so, you get so caught up in looking at the phone and recording videos and talking to it and making posts that you're never really like sure if um, like if anybody's really listening and maybe you're just talking to your phone and you get likes and stuff, but maybe it's just because it looks attractive and they just happen to click it on their way through their phone. But being at KetoCon and people coming to you and saying, hey, you helped change my life. Hey, you motivated me. Hey, this, hey, that. Like I cannot get begin to explain how powerful and moving that was for me and how motivating that was to like realize that okay i actually have a voice and i have an impact and i can use that to tear people down i can use that to give people something to look at or i can use that to motivate and build people up and be transparent and vulnerable with them and and empower them to do the same so it was definitely a game changer for me yeah, that's really awesome, and um, and I know that uh, Aaron uh, AD Keto he was saying that you know it's amazing the community out there 
that you can find when you simply just stop eating bread. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that for him was, was really big. And I, and I think you, you've probably got uh, the same feeling, you know, and there's, there's uh, a community of people out, out there who listen to this podcast. And, and so if you think about, uh, I always like to think about if your Instagram followers were standing in a room and, you know, there's a lot of people out there who start an Instagram account and they, they use that as their success um, for, for the ketogenic diet or at least to hold themselves a little bit accountable. Um, and, you know, even 400 followers, imagine 400 people standing in a room and you showing them your food. <laughs> it's a, that's what it is, you know. And, and I imagine eight thousand people. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, and so I mean, like the amount of followers really doesn't matter. It's um, it's it's sharing your journey. I think you've done that really, really well. Thank um, you. And and so uh, you work with uh, uh, Keto Savage and um, and Crystal now as well. Uh, and you help them with, uh, you know, the, the uh, Deep State Keto with the Keto Brick stuff and also the Keto Savage apparel. Is that right? Yeah, so I help them with pretty much everything. So I, because my job's more remote because I don't live where they live, I we like to, like, refer to me as, like, the gear and the clock that no one sees but is constantly helping turn things. Yeah. Um, so I help with a little bit of everything. I mean, really it comes down to, with the deeper state keto stuff, I help do the coaching. I help with the people that are doing the 90 day program. I help answer their questions, answer their emails. But when it comes to keto savage and keto brick and live savage apparel, anything that Robert needs me to do, I'm going to do. So that's like my job is very free flowing in that regard. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, and it's good to know uh, that for, for people, you know, to see to see the face of, of someone and then also meet the, the behind the scenes, It's I think that's really important. But I want to dig into some of the work that you do as a nutrition coach because I think that people uh, listening to this podcast, uh, they all, they're all on a journey. They're either, you know, in ketosis, they're thinking about trying the ketogenic diet or maybe they've tried it and they've fallen off and they're not sure how to get back on. Um, so I have some questions sort of around that and we can we can delve into them because i think uh, a lot of people find um some some great info on this this sort of stuff but the first question is and i get this question a lot too is that um uh, you know people have a certain repertoire of recipes that they can cook or they can make or you know they can they can think of on the fly on their way home from work um how do you help people find variety in the food that they eat or at least keep them motivated enough to be able to um uh think about variety in a different way uh, i'm not sure how you do how you deal with this but and i'm dealing with this myself <laughs> um how, how do you help people with the variety of food on the ketogenic diet uh, I think that for me, the biggest rule and the biggest thing that I will tell my clients is simplicity is key. Keeping it simple. Like, I think that so many people overcomplicate it and they like, instead of like thinking of simple ingredients that they can stack on top of each other to make something new, they just like try to like, they try to think of like a whole recipe. Like they'll think of an idea and they're like, or they're like, I, I don't know how to, I, I, I don't know what kind of casserole or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, whoa, 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 back up. Okay, let's start with the protein. Beef, mm. great. Okay, we got beef. Okay, how much beef can you have? Okay, let's add this. Okay, how many more macros do you have less? Let's cap it off. You can add this, boom. That's something that you haven't eaten since we've been coaching together, right? And it's just like keeping it simple and then stacking one ingredient at a time on top of each other. I think I have found for that to be the best way to, in some, it, 
somehow it keeps the variety because you can like just change one ingredient from the other and it ch can change the entire context of the dish sometimes. Um, and so being able to help them see things more simply and not overcomplicate. Yeah, that's that's so important. And and I find that um yeah, as you said that, that the protein and all of those other okay. things that you can you can be so creative with uh uh with limited amounts of food if you if you want to. And I and I always remember this quote quote, it was like a bushcraft <laughs> quote, um, typical Australian. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, that the 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 person who has the the limited amount of tools or the the least amount of things is often the most creative and often gets the most enjoyment out of their um, out of their time. And, and so I guess uh, not to say that the ketogenic diet is limited, but if you can work those different uh, proteins and uh, vegetables and you know, fats and all of those and stacking them on top to to fit your macros, then yeah, that's that's uh, that's variety in itself, and you can literally change out the protein, and you have a whole new dish that you can <laughs> keep going with. Exactly, exactly. And um, and so, uh, talking a little bit about macros, uh, people are so confused when it comes to either calculating their macros. They've they found a calculator online, um, but then they they instinctively go and try another calculator, and it's different. And then they go, well, which one's right? And then they're just not sure. They're, they're maybe struggling to lose weight or they're struggling to know whether they're in ketosis. How do you help people calculate their, their specific macros? And then um, what does that, is, is it a trial and error process or do you literally, uh, does someone get their numbers and then that's it for the rest of their life? <laughs> no, so, oh, that's a <laughs> deep question. Because, <laughs> so no, it's definitely more of a trial and error. So I always tell people, because people ask me, okay, so how do you calculate macros, right, for your clients? And I go, well, are you, I, my first step is using a calculator, not to get a, a, a finite number, but to simply give me an idea of where they would be based off the calculations. So I put their numbers in and I get my number. And then I take that plus diet history, plus metabolic stance, plus goals. And then I create a number that I think we should start at. And the first week I always tell them is a guessing game. I don't know what your body's going to do on the first week. You could lose a ton of weight. You might not lose anything, but it gives me an idea of where you're at metabolically. And then we'll go from there, depending on how your body responds. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's that's really important. It's it, going through the diet history, the the metabolic, um, you know, adaptions to someone's body because a, a lot of people, and I find this as well, is that they're um, severely under eating on mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. types of uh, of foods. Um, how do you help people help people that have been, or how do you know that they've been severely under eating, um, and and how do you then help them get back up into a, a normal range? Yeah, that's a great question. So that goes into like what you said at the end earlier, where it was like, is it like their number for life? Well, no, because meta the, the metabolism can um, increase and decrease depending on the environment that you're putting it in. And so one way to tell, to be honest, is if they've been under, if any a male or female has been eating under 1500 calories <laughs> for a year on end, they are probably in a bad position metabolically. Mm -hmm. um, another good one is, you know, if you've been eating at an extremely low caloric amount for a while and you're not losing any more weight, and even if you lower your calories, you're not losing any more weight. Well, that means that your body is just, your body is done. It's on empty. So when I find a client like that, and unfortunately, 
80% of my clients are in that position when I find them. And so what we do is what's called a reverse diet. So basically, like a diet, you slowly, the way we do it, the way I do it, is I slowly titrate calories down. So a reverse diet would be literally the exact opposite of that. I'm going to slowly increase their calories up to where their maintenance should be. And then once we get there, we might do another diet phase to help them lose some more weight. But basically, you're slowly increasing. What it's going to do is it's going to slowly increase their metabolic rate. But at the same time, because it's so slow, it's going to minimize the fat gain. Because what happens is a lot of people will cut down, they'll lose a lot of weight, but they'll hold those calories. Their, their metabolism will adapt. They don't know what to do. They give up. And then they just, instead of going up slowly, they just go right back to what they used to eat. And they gain all the way back, if not more, because now their metabolism is slower than when they were eating at that in the first place. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I think that for for a lot of people, the, the idea of metabolism doesn't really fit in with calories in and calories out. And and uh, and so that that's something that a, a lot of people have have struggle with. And yes, um, you, you know, what are your what are your thoughts on um, the the idea of calories and how uh, how interconnected they are with with everything else and, and how individual they can be as well? Mm. Calories in, calories out. It's funny. No, one, no one's asked me that question yet. I've been keeping my thoughts to myself. <laughs> uh, so I, to be honest, I think it all matters. I, I think, and I, we all follow Robert. I, he said that before, and I completely agree with that ideal. You know, it all matters. Like calories matter, hormones matter, metabolic mm. positioning matters. Like it all matters. It's understanding each of the individual concepts in context. Mm. So yeah. Calories matter. They're a great marker for understanding where you are in terms of your metabolic rate. You know, so if I give you a certain amount of calories and you don't lose weight and you don't gain weight, well, then, yeah, so that's around where your maintenance calories are for a day. If we increase, you're probably going to gain weight. If we decrease, you're going to lower weight. And we can gauge that and help you follow that structurally through the number that we know as calories. However, that is backed up by hormone balance, by metabolic um, positioning, where you're at as a, you know, where your metabolism's at, and diet history, and, and all those things that tie into reflecting that number that we use to um, control our food intake. Yeah, that's that's a, a, a really good, solid answer, because um, there's, yeah, for, for some reason, there's been a notion that uh, maybe calories don't matter on the ketogenic diet, which um, which I, I don't agree with. Um, and and I, I think that, it, yeah, as you said, it's a good starting point, and then you can sort of work from there. Now, uh, in terms of manipulating macros, so uh, a lot of people, when they um, come on, in, into a strict ketogenic diet, it's uh, 75% fat, you know, 20% protein and 5% carbs. Um, and and while that's a good standpoint, um, do you ever manipulate the amount of protein or the amount of fat that someone can be having to then manipulate where they want to go in terms of their goals? Oh, for sure. So I, I believe that something happens when you introduce your body to an 80% fat. Like, it doesn't matter how like long you've been doing 75% fat. If you do 85, 80% fat for a, for a certain amount of time, it just changes things. For example, I used to have a really bad shoulder injury and I did keto for almost six months and my shoulder injury, the pain subsided, but it didn't go away. 
And then Robert, when I started prepping, put me on 80% fat. And two months in, my shoulder pain went completely away, and it has never come back. Right? Uh, yeah, crazy. Right? And and I don't stay at 80% now. But something happened in that window that my body just took that time to really heal. I'm not really sure. I, I don't know the exact mechanics behind it. So I'm really big in what I, you know, that deep adaptation period. So some of my clients, I start them right off at 80%. Some I start at 75 and I slowly increase them to get them to 80. But all my clients at some point for at least four to five weeks are going to be like in around the 80% area just to get them in that real deep adaptation. Now, once that happens, it's free game. Um, it all depends on what's most optimal for you. You know, people always ask me like, what is deeper state keto? And I'm like, well, deeper state keto is a 90 day program. But to me, Deeper State Keto, as a Deeper State Keto coach and why I love the brand and why I work for the brand is because to me, Deeper State Keto is me helping you find the deepest state of ketosis for you as an individual, right? Mm -hmm. And so that could be, I have clients that do a one-to-one -one protein to fat. I have clients that do 85% fat and very low protein and zero carbs. I have clients that do... Um, you know, 70% fat and 30% protein. I have carnivores. I have, I have one that's a pescatarian. I have a vegetarian, right? Like it's all over the place in terms of like percentages. It's all about what helps them make it a sustainable lifestyle that is actually helping them live life to their fullest. You, do you ever uh, titrate up or titrate down the, the 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 ratio of protein and fats to find what works best for people? Correct. So... I am a big believer in constant pressure over time. That's something that like most, most deeper state keto coaches and Robert and all of them are going to agree with. And so basically what happens is I find your maintenance, right? So just like with the reverse diet, we're going to slowly go up. So whether we reverse up when I first start working with you or when I work, start working with you, you're already in a healthy place metabolically. So we're going to start you at 80% fat or around there. As we go down, I'm going to slowly increase protein while slowly decreasing fats. And what we're looking for is that point because everybody wants more protein. I mean, everybody likes more meat. You know, protein is good for building muscle. It's just it's a good, um, you know, macro. And however, like there's a certain point when you're 80 percent fat where you get like really mentally cognitive. And as the protein gets higher and the fat gets lower, you'll start to feel that go away just a little bit. And that's something that we would consider, I would consider your protein threshold. The point at which your protein is high, which is good, but any higher, and it takes away from the mental benefits of having a higher fat amount, which is going to help stabilize hunger better when we get lower in calories. It's going to help you preserve muscle mass. So we don't want to take away the optimization, but we want to give you as much protein as we can. So finding that perfect ratio, that sweet spot for you as we diet down is crucial. And it's very different for each individual. Yeah, that's that's totally uh, totally true. And from, from what I've dealt with my clients as well is that I find that athletes can tolerate a lot more protein than, mm -hmm. uh, you know, someone who may be in older age and they're just looking to lose that extra five, five pounds, five kilos, whatever it is around their waistline. Uh, and so the protein, you know, differs a lot for those people. But again, it's very individual. Um, and, and so through all of this, um, how do you help people deal with cravings? Because that's something that I get asked a lot uh, and I try and fix it by giving them keto alternatives. Um, but how do you 
you suggest uh, people deal with cravings or uh, you know work them into their their macros into their ketogenic lifestyle? How does that sort of work for you? Oh, that's another. You're asking a lot of good questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so th- there's also obviously there's the keto alternatives. You know, I I send a, I send a lot of them to your website. I send a lot to Keto Connect. You know, wherever. I'll just Google sometimes, you know, something that they're craving and I'll just send them a quick link, uh, which can help. But with my clients, I'm very big on not just helping them get to a number on the scale. I want to help mature them and evolve them as an individual and their relationship with food. So I tend to ask deeper questions. So like when they're craving, why are you craving? Are you stressed out? Why are you stressed out? Okay, how can we handle this without you feeding your body food? to help cope with this situation. How about we find something else like going to the gym, going for a walk, maybe working on your spiritual life, working on self-gratification, having some self-care time, like challenging them to grow not only like in terms of like their weight goals, but also as an individual and how they like wrestle with their relationship with food. And, you know, I tell my clients, my real goal is to see you not just see not just like hit that weight, but I want you to see food as fuel, not fun. It should be fuel that can be enjoyed, not not just fun. It shouldn't be like an emotional coping mechanism. And so even if they're keto, right, if they're craving a cake and we give them cake, which is okay, but if you give it to them and they have a serious like issue with like coping with cake, for instance, that's the, the trigger food to cope with emotional distress. That's never going to go away. And so I want to challenge them to back off from that and find an alternative that's healthier for them long-term, for long-term success. Yeah, that's that's really important. I think that's the difference between following a standard meal plan and actually going with a coach is that uh, one thing that I found for myself and just, just speaking personally was that uh, a big trigger for me was drinking too much coffee during the day. So if mm. I had three cups of coffee in the afternoon that that snack snack time you know it became uh, a little bit more than snack time and sort of you know blows it out uh and and so that i know that okay coffee's a trigger for me or um you know that might be very different for someone else it might be the amount of sleep you've had because ma- many people who um uh, maybe you know up and down your dieting they may not have good quality sleep and so that could be a factor there's so many different factors that can control cravings and just yeah that's that's right just just feeding the cravings um can can be great for birthdays and celebrations um but on like dealing with dealing with stress then maybe not so much um and there's 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 another question so (laughs) um how do you uh help people deal with the pressure from society or pressure from family because uh i know that a lot of people are either doing keto themselves and a lot of the times that's um you know the person who makes all the meals for the for the family and so they're just they're just sick and tired of creating three four different meals every every night um, how, how do you help them deal with the family pressure? And then maybe we can sort of jump into the pressure from society as well a bit after that. For sure. So with family pressure, I try to, so one thing I do that's really practical is like I have this one uh, client and she makes food for her entire family, right? And she makes like these big casserole dishes. And I say, okay, okay, so let's not overcomplicate this. So you are saying that you have to make a meal for your family and then a meal for yourself. And I said, why? And she's like, well, I have, I have to make this casserole. And I'm like, okay, what's in the casserole? And she'll go, you know, let's say beef, 
asparagus, cheese, potatoes, peas, corn. She'll start getting into the veggies. I'm like, okay, well, hold on. So what were the first three ingredients? And she said, beef, asparagus, and cheese. And I'm like, so why don't you, when you're making the casserole, preparing the, prepping the sides, why don't you just take your portion of those three things that are ketogenic and just put, cook them in another pot, put them, bake them with it, you know? I just take out the ingredients that aren't um, ketogenic, make sure it's matching your macros, and eat with your family. And the only difference is you just happen not to have the potatoes and the corn in your dish. And so I think that this goes back to, you know, when you asked me the first question earlier, I think people overcomplicate it. Mm -hmm. And so being able to like explain it in a practical way and say, look, like don't overcomplicate this. Like you don't have to make a second meal for you. You can simply take the fatty, high protein, you know, vegetable, low carb veggie parts of this dish and simply just take out your serving amounts for you and eat with your family. Like it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. I think also when it comes to like the motivation and the vision part of it, that's something where, you know, I always ask them, and this goes back to the society thing. When we get into that, it's like, what is your why? Because like you as a human being have to understand, especially if you're in a weight loss journey, right? Like you have value and your body has worth and value. Like, it's carried you through all the sickness, all the bad days, all the days of eating like you shouldn't have. And you know that. So doesn't it deserve to be healthy? Doesn't it deserve to, you know, it, it matters more than other people's opinions. Your body's health matters more than other people's opinions. And that of your families, especially like, I understand they're concerned or they just think you're being silly or they might even tell you, oh, you look so good. Why don't you stop? But you know where you're at you know that 50 percent healthy isn't 100 percent healthy and so it's being able to focus in on you know your self-care and your worth and your value and your health um and being able to take care of you and of course people will say oh well i want to please my family i'm like well think about it like this if a lot of people say i give 100 percent to my family so i can't give anything to myself and i say well you're wrong. And they're like, what? And I'm like, well, listen to this. Listen to me. If you are at 30% of 100% of you, like if you're just drained and you're working at like 30%, right? You can't give everybody a hundred. You can only give them 30. That's all you've got. Math doesn't work like that. Yeah. There's no yeah. magical 70 that comes out of nowhere. So if you don't take care of yourself, how can, if you want to give people, if your life's goals is to give your family 100% of you, then that doesn't excuse you. You still have to take time for yourself because if you don't recharge, you can't give them the 100% anyways. So being able to take a step back and, you know, and, and look at your goals and understand that this is about you making sure you're at your best, whether that's for you, whether that's for your family, you still have to start with making sure that you are working at your best. Mm. Yeah, that's really important. Uh, and I like the I like the idea that you know if you're at thirty percent, then you can only give your family thirty percent, and that's so true because if you don't look after yourself, yourself is the most important thing. You can't look after other people. And why do you think that uh, you know fire escape plans and the 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 masks that drop down from aeroplanes like if 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 you're struggling to breathe how else are you going to help other people breathe um mm -hmm. it, it just doesn't make sense and 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 something that i find um helpful for for some people is dealing with loss aversion so and what i mean by loss aversion is that uh 
um, for some people that's money, for some people that's, you know, it's, it's whatever they really, 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 really don't want to lose. You, you put that on the line and say, if, uh, if, if you don't have a strong why, or if you don't have something to, uh, if you can't think of a why, or you haven't been dealing with a coach, then you can come up with a uh, hundred dollars. And uh, I used to use a website called stick and, you know, you put a hundred dollars in there. And if you don't hit your goal by, by the set date, then that money gets donated to a charity that you really 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 don't want to donate to <laughs> um, and and so that that was actually the reason why I created fat for weight loss was that I wanted to move out of the the work that I was doing into the work I wanted to do and I told myself I need to be able to uh, create this in one month I need to be able to do this in one month and if I don't do it then this is what happens oh and and I gave I gave a hundred dollars to someone and I said if I don't do this in one month you can keep that one hundred dollars, but if I do it, can you please give it back? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's great. <laughs> um, and and at the time, I didn't have a hundred dollars to spare like that. It wasn't just like, oh, you know, here have a hundred bucks. I didn't get my goal. Oops, sorry. Um, and it's amazing how motivated you get when, <laughs> when that happens. Um, and so dealing with society pressure. Uh, Th that's a whole nother thing because you know you have pressure from your family that can that can sometimes be um uh you know something that you have to deal with but then when you go out to a restaurant or you go see your friends or you go to the cafe down the road and everyone's ordering cakes and all that sort of stuff and you have to stick with uh what's best for you how do you help pe people deal with that how do you p help people deal with the the pressure from society and friends mm, mm, another good question sir um, so I, first off, I think that prepping, like preparing beforehand is huge. I think so many people procrastinate. And so when they get in a situation like that, they are not prepared. And so they feel easily overwhelmed and they kind of give in to temptation. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it's being prepared for those situations. You know, with my clients, I have one client He's much better at it now, but when we first started coaching together, he would call me before every like friend event to like discuss, okay, here's what I'm going to do. These are the meals I'm going to eat. I'm going to fast at these dinner parties, um, et cetera, et cetera. And we would prepare him for that. And yeah, it took 10 minutes out of our day, but man, did he see better success on the other side? He's lost 70 pounds since working with me. Wow. He's lost another three. He's lost another 200 on his own. So crazy story by him, you know, as an individual. But my point is, is that, you know, he took the time to pre-plan and you might see, it might seem annoying up front, but man, it's so rewarding at the end. And most things that are hard right now are the most rewarding later on. And so it's being able to see the long, the, the, the long-term goal, right? And push past like in the moment and go, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. And then the time comes and you're like, oh crap, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And so being prepared is huge. And then I think also it goes back to that again, what is your why? Like is your why you're trying to lose weight to please your friends? Because they could be easily, um, they could be easily, uh, I'm trying to think of the word I'm trying to say. They could easily approve of you. Like you could lose 10 pounds and they could go, yeah, here's cake, you know? So like facing <laughs> your success or health on their context of you reaching your goals is, for lack of better terms, I think stupid. I think that you need to do it for you. You need to do it for you. You need to be consistent and say no for you. 
And if they're really your friends, then they're going to say, okay, and they're going to back off. Um, and if they don't, well, that's a whole other issue, and I'm not a therapist. <laughs> um, now, when it comes to restaurants and stuff, I think that you just have to stick to your guns. I I think people overcomplicate the restaurant restaurant thing. Like, they get, like, over, like, overwhelmed with, like, the menu and having to ask the waiter. And they make it this, like, they're very, like, um, pessimistic about it. Like, it's like, oh, my gosh, I have to ask the waiter. Oh, my gosh, I have to ask him for this. Oh, my gosh. And they just, like, make it, like, this really drawn-out negative process. And it doesn't have to be like that. You can scout the menu beforehand, be prepared, know what you want, know what you need to ask for. A lot of restaurants, especially chain ones, have nutrition menus. Know what you need and go and order it and, you know, stick to your gun. Say, listen, I don't want this or that. And they will cater to you. Like, they don't care. You're the one that thinks they care. (laughs) Um, You know, you're telling yourself you're being a burden, but no, their job is to serve you in the best way possible. That's what a good restaurant should do. Uh, and so if they don't treat you like that, you need to find a new restaurant. Again, I'm not a therapist, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, just being prepared and, and sticking to your guns and knowing your why and knowing that even though some opinions might matter to you, none of them matter more than the opinion of yourself and where you're at and, um, you know, in reference to your goals. And so, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's really important. I think uh, you know, being able to uh, be prepared, uh, go to restaurants and understand that you're not being an inconvenience. You just need, uh, a, you know, a, I I grew up in a, a family who tried to avoid <laughs> tried to avoid uh, gluten for a long time, and so I sort of learned that as a kid how to be prepared when you're going to restaurants, or at least go to ones that are going to. Um, be be healthy, going to be the ones that help serve you. And, you know, that ties in with the whole family pressure because everyone wants to go get fast food and you're the only one that doesn't and everyone's sitting on the couch and eating fast food. But that is the that is the point where uh, is th- those are the, the small little points that are going to make or break your success and, and that adds up over time. Once you get self-confidence, mm. that will increase over time and you'll get so much better with saying, look, that that, that doesn't work for me. This is what I'm doing and, and you... and, and and oftentimes what happens is your family goes afterwards. They go, so, you know, that thing that you were doing, that ketogenic diet, it, it, how do I start? And you go, ha. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And that brings me actually to this, um, this metaphor I like to use a lot. And I like to use our um, diet journeys, the metaphor of a painting. So think of a painting, that a vision you have in your head, right? And you get this blank canvas. And at first it looks like nothing. It's like, oh my gosh, I have all this work to do. And it'd be so much easier just to splash a bucket on the canvas and call it a day, right? But that's not going to give you what you want. What you have to do is you have to focus on each individual stroke. You know, each time you go out with your friend, each time you skip that snack that's not keto, each time you, you know, you stick to your macros, like each one of those little tiny details adds up, as you said, and each one of those strokes is what's going to make that picture come to life. And as you get closer to finishing the painting, the more confidence you get that your vision and your goal is so close. And so it gets easier and easier to keep paying attention to those little strokes. You know, Leonardo da Vinci, it took him, I think, what, somewhat seven years to paint the Mona Lisa, uh, why is your weight loss journey any different? It takes time and it takes paying attention to the details to get to that long 
term success. And then once people see that painting, just as you said, how did you do that? You know, they're going to see the magnificence and they're not going to consider all the little things. They're just going to see a blank canvas and then they're going to see the painting finished. And they're not going to consider all the little strokes that you had to do for yourself in between. Mm. Yeah, that's, that is such a great metaphor. And I think that speaks to me a lot um, as a musician who would, uh, y you know, I, I would get also <laughs> confused and frustrated trying to create songs. And it's the same thing if you're at work and you're, uh, you know, your boss has given you this massive project and you get overwhelmed. It's like you, there's too much information to start with. You just need to break it off into small bits and, and go from there. Um, yeah, really good metaphor. I like that. And and I guess uh, once you're done with that canvas, you just add another canvas to it and keep going. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Painters never stop. Once you have a vision, you just keep going. Yeah, that's right. And, and so uh, one last question as well. Do you uh, do you have um, when when someone finds their macros or you know what works for them? Do you help them create uh, a fully fledged meal plan, or does that look like okay? These are the things that you regularly eat. Here's how we can manipulate that into uh, the macros that we're trying to look at now. Yeah. So basically, like to give you a run, like with my coaching, like I do weekly macros and daily daily check ins, and then. Um, uh, you know, phone consults. And what I do is I give them their macros initially, or, you know, every week I'll give them new macros depending on how their weight fluctuates and, um, and other, you know, variables. And then I give them a one day meal plan, like the first week. So I go, listen, I want you to send me a list of all the foods you like, and I'm going to send you what I would eat if I had the food, if I had your palate and your macros, here's what I would eat. Boom. And I just kind of give them a blueprint because I don't know. I, a lot of, some coaches do make meal plans and I have nothing against that. Me personally, as a coach, I like to empower my clients to have control over their food. Mm -hmm. And so I want to give them an outline, but I want to empower them to make their own food choices because I try to think of what will happen six months after I leave. Like always with every decision I make with a client, it's okay. How is this going to affect them six months after we're done? Because if they gain all the weight back, then I have failed them as a coach in my eyes. And if their consistency with their food was dependent upon me making them a meal plan and when they get off, they just lose all hope and they go off the rails again. I feel like I did not successfully prepare them for what was to come. And so starting off early, empowering them to make those food choices for themselves and giving them an outline and a blueprint and an idea and giving them suggestions throughout and helping kind of guide them, but allowing them to make those choices at the end of the day, I think empowers them for greater success long-term after we're done. Mm, that's so, so, so powerful. And it's so true. You know, um, if they, if, uh, and a lot of commitment issues come from, uh, I, I, I fell off the meal plan. I've got to get back onto it. And, and, and you're saying, um, here's how, here's how we do that. Even if you're not on that specific weekly meal plan, um, here's how you can do it with the with the things that you've already got. Yeah, I, I really like that. And so towards the end of the podcast, um, I do like asking a few quick questions that are more related to you. Um, and so first up, what is the what is one uh, one of the keto foods you can never do without? Or what is the one one keto related food that you would maybe eat every day and just really, really enjoy? Oh, am I allowed to answer two? Can I give you two? Definitely, yes. Okay, so definitely ribeye and butter. Yep. And keto bricks. Yep. Are my two favorite <laughs> things ever. <laughs> and and have you ever tried going without those two? Uh, yeah, I have to do it with. I have to do it sometimes because 
and macros don't allow. Right. And I got excited over eggs and butter in the morning or something like that. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so I, I generally have to have a piece of keto brick every day and I have to have beef at some point in the day. Like there are days where like, I'll just like stuff myself with a rotisserie chicken or something and I'm good. But <laughs> most days beef has to happen. And generally a keto brick has to happen at some point, at least a piece of one. I like it. I love it. Um, and so do you have any foods that you dislike that someone else might like? Some people, they don't like avocados or maybe it's Brussels sprouts or oysters. Is there anything that you can think of that comes to mind? Yeah, I hate horseradish. Oh, yeah. So wasabi's out. Yeah, wasabi, horseradish, or the devil's lettuce. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Well, um, wh- what do you find the most effective lifting exercise? Because uh, you look like the kind of guy who's got the gym figured out. What what sort of lifting exercise is the most effective for you? Oh, uh, hmm. Mm, that, no, that's a oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> I would say, to be honest, um, deadlift is probably the most all-encompassing like lift. Like, because so back squat, I could say because, but it only incorporates the, the the trunk, which is like the core muscles and the legs, right? Mm. Whereas deadlift, really everything contracts. So I mean, you're working your forearm, your grip, your chest. I mean, your shoulders, your back, your your legs, like everything's working in a deadlift. So I think in terms of like building thickness and just raw power, the deadlift is definitely one of one of my staples. That's a, yeah, that's a good answer. And it's uh, one that a lot of people recommend as well. One that I'm trying to improve on too. <laughs> um, what, what book or podcast has recently inspired you? Oh, man. Okay, so... I'm actually going to school to become a nutritional therapist. Oh, awesome. And because yep. I saw you were one, so I thought that was cool. <laughs> um, and so um, the big fat problem uh, is a big one for me. Um, I forget who the author is. I, I, I'm reading it right now for school, but it talks about how like with Ansel Keys and the you know seven country study and how fat became the enemy in America and all that. And it was really, really just inspired me to like, Cause like I, I read this book and I'm like, Oh my gosh, everything's a lie. I need to tell people, you know? So like it inspires me to like, want to speak louder about what I know to be truth, you know, and reading these things inspires me to do that. And then the second one would be, um, Jess, uh, coach Jessica. She just had a podcast with Robert in the keto savage podcast, uh, right before you, I think, um, a couple before you, and she is a recovering ED eating disordered person and uh she talks very very um clearly about bulimia and the struggles of that on that podcast and it's also one thing that inspired me to start talking about it because i feel like there's a lot of men that struggle with eating disorders and body dysmorphia and no one talks about it uh because you know men supposed to be tough and not have emotions and be vulnerable and so i'm trying to be vulnerable and she really inspired me to articulate better and be vulnerable about those issues that I have wrestled with, you know, yeah. in life. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's. That, I think that's. Um, it's really important to talk about, uh, and it is something that is that that is coming to light a little bit more that men don't seem to talk about these types of issues. Uh, and as you said, you know, men are supposed to be tough, and you know, they, they don't talk about their feelings. But uh, for for people who are listening who who think they might have a dis- eating disorder, but they haven't been formally diagnosed, uh, what are the some what are some of the common signs, or at least some of the common um, starting points of an eating disorder, and how would you dis- how would you describe that? Mm. So I don't know because everybody has days where they eat a lot of food, right? So I'm not going to say like a binge is like oh my gosh you might have a problem, but there is there is like compulsive binging disorder. So like basically if you use food to cope with life in any way that can be already an eating disorder or can very quickly become one. Mm. Um, so like, if you wait, like, if you think about it for a second, sit back and think, okay, when I get mad, happy, sad, upset, um, anxious, nervous, calm, like if any of those emotions or multiple of those emotions trigger you to go eat something, to go eat your feelings, as I call it, that can be a big red flag in my eyes. Uh, and then of course, I think that once that starts, once you start doing that, if you have like a fear of gaining weight again, if you have a fear, uh, if you have a body dysmorphic issue, then that binging can turn into you trying to get rid of the calories you just ate, which can turn into bulimia or, um, periods of anorexia where like, you're basically like binging and then you'll like, because you had a bad day, you'll fast. And I just put a post on Instagram that said that, um, you know, uh, not binge fasting cycle or not eating because you had a bad day as an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Like, because you're basically just purging, you're just not throwing up, but you're still like trying to get rid of this bad day because you feel guilty and you shouldn't. People have days where they eat more food. All you have to do is leave yesterday where it was, which is behind you and move on. Like you don't have to like beat yourself up and create this co- negative connotation around having a day that you were off a little right and so it's being able to um counteract that so i think that those are two huge signs it's like you know do you emotionally cope with life by eating and then do you find yourself having a bad day and in response to that you under eat you starve yourself or you like go walk on the treadmill for three hours to try and burn it off. Mm. Um, like, how do you respond? Do you respond in a positive way? Do you learn from it and just keep moving on? Or do you beat yourself up over it and try to gain what is behind you back? Mm. And, and, and so if, if that has, um, you know, triggered any emotions for people listening to this podcast, what would be the first step towards getting some help with that? Or what would be, um, maybe the first person you can talk to about that? Hmm. Oh man, there's so many people. I mean, you could talk to me. You can come talk to me. I would love to hear you. Um, since being more open about it, people have a lot of people have been coming to me, and it's been really cool to hear them and listen to them and let them just get it out and kind of help them. But finding support in general is the first step. Like, first you have to admit that it's there. Like, if you get emotionally like riled up from listening to that, do not push it back down. You're emotional because it's triggered you to realize that you might have an issue, and so being able to find support right so come out with that go okay i have this issue how do i deal with it find support tell somebody we're not meant to carry these burdens of life alone and holding it in does nothing for anybody right not telling anybody does not make you strong in fact that's another 
it's another quote that I just said. I said, holding it in, all in does not make you strong. Uh, and so many people think that being level-headed on the outside reflects that you are strong as a human being. And I, I refuse to believe that. I think being able to be vulnerable and reaching out is what shows true strength. Because it shows that you're willing to help yourself regardless of the uncomfortable position it's going to put you in. And so reaching out and getting that support, I think, is a huge first step. And you can reach out to me. You can reach out to, I mean, Coach Jessica, Keto Coach Lauren. There's a lot of us that struggle with these things and are very open about how we combat them and how we have learned to, over time, overcome and make those voices much smaller in our lives. Mm. Yeah, and that's really important. And that's really, really awesome. Uh, because uh, that sort of ties into where people can find you, where people can get in contact with you. Um, what are your, what are the places where you hang out the most, and where can people maybe either sign up for DSK or come and talk to you on Instagram? Uh, you know, what are all the links for that? And and again, all of these will be in the show notes. But it's good to just hear them if you're on the road and not able to flick over to the uh, to the show notes of the podcast. Yeah, for sure. So the, my biggest stage is definitely Instagram. So at the Keto Road, T-H-E, Keto Road, R-O-A-D. Um, you can DM me there. You can also email me, theketoroad at gmail.com. I answer to emails. I look at it constantly. Um, Facebook, if you don't like Instagram and you love Facebook, I have a page, the Keto Road. You can find me on there. Um, and then deeperstateketo.com. You can go click on that, and you should be able to message me if you make an, if you make an account. Um, I'm on there under Keto Coaching. So you go to Deeper State Keto, Keto Coaching. You'll see my name. You can read my story. Reach out to me, email. If you want to work with me, I, mean, I would love to answer any of your questions that you have. And if you just want support, um, you know, I don't charge for that. It's just me being a friend and loving on you. So please come and ask questions. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing from you all. Yeah, that's really awesome. And, and I just want to say a big thank you for, from everyone listening to this podcast because I feel like this podcast has probably been one of the most useful podcasts I think I've ever done um, for for people out there, and and you have so many great, fantastic responses to <laughs> a lot of the 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 um the pretty you know in depth questions that I was asking. So so really really awesome. I just wanted to say a huge thank you from everyone listening to this podcast. Um, and yeah, it's been such a pleasure having you on, man. Thank you, man. You know what? It was so exciting when you reached out to me, and I'm just I'm honored to be on the show, and I hope that. You know, I can give and give and keep giving. So thank you for having me on. No problems. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you. Head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.